0: Welcome to the EA Church Podcast. If this ministry has touched your life or you're in need of spiritual support, please let us know by emailing prayer at effinghamassembly.org. If you would like to support our ministry, visit effinghamassembly.org forward slash giving and choose a donation option that's best for you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. This morning we continue on with our Advent series, if you've been with us. This is our third week in our Hopeful Expectation series on Advent. And uh, you may not be quite familiar with, with Advent, or it may have been a long time, but we do Advent because of the season of time of waiting, of longing of the Messiah. Sometimes we just drive by, we get so busy and anxious with the holidays that we forget. About the moments of thousands of years of longing, of expectation of the Messiah, of believers before us. And this is an opportunity that we take and we set the time from the end of Thanksgiving to the time of Christmas. To focus our hearts and our attention upon the coming Messiah. This morning I'm talking about joy. Joy. And so we're looking today at Luke chapter 2. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in their heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and thank you, Lord, for this awesome account that Luke has given to us of the birth of Jesus Christ. I pray today we would let the Spirit of God speak to our heart and change our lives of this good news of great joy for all the people. I pray today we wouldn't just let it be contained within us, but God, we would want to tell others about this good news of great joy for all the people. In Jesus' name, amen. We all like to hear great news, don't we? for the most part. Now, as you get to know me, you will find that one of my five top strengths with what they call the Clifton Strengths now, if, if you you may have ever heard of this thing called the Clifton Strengths Finder, you may have done it in a job or you may have done it at a university in a class. Uh, I did it when I was a student at Evangelion University in one of my classes and it What it does is it's an assessment uh, of your natural talents according to their criteria. It's ran by the Gallup organization, and they give you now 34 themes, but they give you the top five, and one of my top five is called input. And input just simply means you're inquisitive, you like to learn, you like to collect things, and uh, the learning isn't always necessarily just for knowledge, but it's also based upon inquisitiveness and just adventure. And so one of the things that I've collected over the years, uh, besides like baseball cards, anybody collect baseball cards? Other collectibles? Uh, Maybe uh, quotes? Maybe books? Anybody collect anything? Coke? Great. Guns? I collect also Coke stuff over the years. I've done that. And one of the things I've collected is news items, things that have happened over my lifetime. And so this morning when we talk about good news of great joy for all the people, I get to share some things that I've had. And so, and sometimes we have to remember, sometimes good news for you may be bad news for others. But here's a here's a, a paper that back in... Uh, 2003, this guy was captured. Good news for a lot of people. Bad news for Saddam Hussein. Good news. Now sometimes there's the controversial news. This was kind of a controversial news here. Good news, OJ was free for him. Controversial, maybe for the rest of us. And then there's other things where it's bad news. Bad news when we saw Princess Diana killed in a tragic accident. Bad news. And then also good news. Miracle in Iowa. This, the, anybody remember when the Septuagint were born? An interesting fact: A lady in our church was actually, uh, this is a side note, worked with Bobby. And one day, were this is a time when it was reg, normal to have regular church service, and we did prayer requests. And one of the ladies from the church raised her hand. She said, "I want to pray for a lady in our church that uh, has expecting multiples." And and the guy who was doing uh, prayer requests at that time said, "Well, how many?" And and this lady said, Seven. <laughs> And we're all like, what? Just a side note. And it came to pass. But good news. But what's interesting about society is this. If you pay attention to the news cycle, what dominates the headlines? That's right, bad news. And the truth, it's what people pay attention to. The Los Angeles Times on September 5th, 2019 had an article entitled, Why Does So Much News Seem Negative? Human Attention May to Be Blamed. It reports a study done and published by the Proceedings of the National Academy of the Sciences of the United States, and it quotes this, A new study involving more than 1,000 people across 17 countries, spanning every continent but Antarctica, concludes on, I quote, on average, people pay more attention to negative news than to positive news. And it's true. We hear about a plane crash, right? And it's a terrible thing. But how many flights do you think that the Federal Aviation Administration takes care of in one single day? 44,000 flights a day that they receive. So while a plane accident's very tragic, it's very seldom. And when you get in an airplane to fly, you can rest assured that you're more likely to have any other thing happen in the world to you than be in a plane accident. Same thing with sickness and disease. For instance, the flu. The flu is a terrible thing, right? Anybody ever got that flu, the cough and congestion, the respiratory? It's a very terrible thing. Especially um, if you're uh, young or older, you have uh, health issues and your immune system is compromised. And so what happens is it's reported that people are dying from the flu and and it's unfortunate it happens. But the way it's reported, it sounds like everybody that gets the flu is going to die. And we should take precautions and and you should do things according to your doctor and, and you should be cognizant of that. But... When you listen to the news, it's like everything is going wrong. And everything bad is going to happen to you. And the last thing we need is more of bad news. We need news that is encouraging to us, news that helps us. And that's what these shepherds experienced that night, that holy night. The good news of great joy for all people that the angel of the Lord descended down and began to tell them about this good news of great joy. So, what's it for us? We look at verse 8 in chapter 2. In the same region of where Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus were, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. This moment starts out when these guys are just doing what they're supposed to do. They're out in the middle of the night watching their flock. Now, a side note to this. There's a lot of debate on when this time was happening. Some people would say that this was maybe a time after the harvest, before planting and plowing, that they were out on this fallow ground and the sheep were out and about at night. Because during this time, there would be uh, very moderate temperatures during the day. And so, nighttime would be optimal to be outside. There's others that say that, again, there's moderate climate, which is true. um, Because during their winter season, uh, I was there at the beginning of that. And so, there is more moderate climate. And so, again, maybe they were out. But whatever the time of season, it doesn't really matter. But it's just interesting that these were shepherds near Bethlehem. And they were taking care of, and last week I showed you the fields, where that's at. They were taking care of sheep, lambs that are for the sacrifice at the temple. In this area, there's an area called Migdal, and there's a watchtower, that's no longer there, but there's a watchtower where they would be watching the flock by night. And according to one scholar, it says this, I quote, it was a subtle conviction among the Jews that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem and equally that he was to be revealed from Migdal Eder. And when you look at the accounts of scripture, there's two places where the birth of Jesus is talked about. That's in the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke. But it's the gospel of Luke that specifically talks about the shepherds. In the account of Matthew, he talks about the magi that come to worship Jesus. But in Luke, he's talking about the shepherds, the shepherds that come to worship Jesus. And why would shepherds be chosen? Why doesn't the angel of the Lord go to Herod, the ruler? Why doesn't he go to the chief priest? Why doesn't, go, why doesn't he go to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day? Why does he go to shepherds? Because they're ordinary people. And actually, on the societal class, they're at the lowest. They're at the lowest of the society where they're at. They're poor, ordinary people. And if you follow the book of Luke, that's part of his focus. The gospel is good news for all the people, not just the holier than thou's, not for just the rich, not for those that can do something. But those that are just like us, you and me, ordinary folk. That scripture says our righteousness is just as filthy rags. We just give our heart to Jesus. Give our life to him. Commit our lives. And say, have your way. Verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So just imagine, these guys are out in this field doing their thing. They're awake Some. Uh, paintings that are famous have uh, the angel appearing to the shepherds that are sleeping. But these guys are fully awake. These are good shepherds. They're watching their flock by night. They're making sure no predator comes in. They're making sure no enemy comes in. They're making sure that no one comes in and kills the sheep or steals the sheep. They're good shepherds. And the glory of the Lord. <laughs> the glory of the Lord shown around them. And we're not talking just a little bit. We're talking about this radiance of light coming out of the sky in the midnight darkness. When you look at some scripture accounts, when the angel of the Lord appears to people, they fall as dead people. Or they fall into the ground. And we don't know exactly what happens, except they were filled with what? Great fear. Fear. And the angel would proclaim to them something that's revolutionary and that heaven and earth were waiting to be proclaimed. The first proclamation of the gospel on earth. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you, born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Fear not. Yeah, right. These shepherds are going what in the world am I hallucinating they proclaim the good news of great joy that will be for all the people the good news comes from our English word the Greek translation of the meaning gospel or preach which is the root for evangelism the gospel is good news gospel and good news go together it's good news it's great news Literally in Greek, it's this, I evangelize to you a great joy, a great joy, which in the city of David, a savior who is Christ, the Lord is born. The good news is Jesus. The good news is Jesus. And he's here for all the people. He appeared to shepherds because he wanted to, the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The gospel was proclaimed to them because he wanted to make sure it was clear. Good news of great joy for who? All people. Revolutionary. Good news. It's something that we all need to hear. It's something that the shepherds needed to hear. And they were the first. The Jews had been longing for a Messiah to come for thousands of years the Savior that was prophesied. But in reality, they were looking for a ruler. They were looking for a political deliverer. But he came. He came. And the good news of great joy is this. He's the Savior. Only two times in the Gospels it's referred to. This time when the angels proclaimed his birth and and in John 4, 42, when the Samaritans believe in Jesus as the Savior of the world, in the Old Testament, it's talked about as a deliverer. And for the Greeks or Romans, the word Savior could be applied to their gods as well as great military or political leaders. Julius Caesar was one of those. But this basic meaning was understood to both Jews and Gentiles. But it was different than what they expected. It was contrary to what they really wanted. But they announced the birth of a savior. That's exactly what they needed. They may not have wanted that, but it's what they needed. We don't need another advisor. We don't need another reformer. We don't need another committee. We don't need another fill in the blank. We need a savior. Who is Christ the Lord? He is the Christ, the Messiah. He's anointed one. He's set apart for this moment. We see that in Old Testament where the prophets, the kings are set apart. The kings were anointed. The title is for the one that God would raise up. The Jews were again waiting this special deliverer that one would be the anointed God, the Messiah, the Christ. He's Lord. Lord here refers to the deity. This tiny baby was the Lord that God had arrived in a human form and the angel gave this identity to him. And this will be a sign to you. Verse 12, you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This is fitting for the shepherds. This is a sign. You'll find that, you know, there's probably plenty of babies born that day And they're going to be, most of them will be wrapped in some sort of cloth. But this one's going to be, where, lying in a manger. It's pretty cool about the very last details of this to the shepherds, of what they're going to find. That there's only going to be one lying in a manger. Verse 13, And suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among whom he is pleased. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, goes from one angel to this army of angels. Can you imagine that? Heavenly hosts that fill the sky, that have the greatest worship moment known to mankind at that moment on earth. These angels, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among whom he is pleased. They declare the glory of God that's going to bring peace. Like I talked about last week, peace, shalom, wholeness, every bit of peace that permeates your life, peace that the world can't give, peace that only Jesus can give, peace that's only through a relationship with Christ. A relationship with Christ breaks down that hostility, breaks down the barrier between you and God that you have if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you've not put your trust and faith in Jesus, today is the moment. Today is a day of salvation where you can have shalom like never before. You can have shalom despite whatever circumstance and situation that you're facing today. God will give you his peace. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which Christ the Lord has made known to us. They go quickly. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Not, is it real? Not, is it possible? But there's no doubt in their mind. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. They hurried off. They wanted to go and see the wonderful thing. They hurried to Bethlehem to see this baby. This shows urgency. They didn't hesitate. They went right away, right away. God's asking for us today, the good news of great joys. Let's not delay. Let's go quickly and follow the Lord. And when they saw it, verse 17, they made known to the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds went around. They were the first evangelists. They couldn't stop speaking about what they've seen and heard. Just like we'll see the disciples say in Acts at the beginning of the early church. They had seen the babe. They had seen the Christ child, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And people were astonished, not at the shepherd saying this good news, but at the good news of great joy that Jesus was born, that Jesus was born. And then they went back to life, but rejoicing and praising God, with a different perspective, a different attitude, gratitude filled their hearts, hope filled their hearts, peace filled their lives. The great fear they once had was replaced with great joy. The great fear they once had was replaced with great joy of Jesus, of the good news. The good news revolutionizes their lives. And the good news will revolutionize your life as well. Sometimes when we hear the word joy, we get it confused with happiness. Joy and happiness are two separate things. Happiness is based on what's happening outside of me. And joy is based on what's happening inside of me. Happiness happens by chance. Joy happens by chance. Choice. Happiness is up to luck. Joy is up to you. Happiness is based on feelings and joy is based on Christ. How is it based on Christ? The good news of great joy for all the people. All the people. Now, Christians and non-Christians alike, we can, you can experience happiness. But happiness Is different from joy joy only happens because of Jesus Jesus is joy this great news is the gospel's great joy the good news is this you and I no longer have to be enslaved to the things of this world you and I no longer have to be enslaved to the devil You and no longer, I have to be enslaved to the things that have held us bound of this world. Galatians 4, chapter 4, verse 3. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons, And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The good news of great joy, that is, God in the flesh has broken through the darkness, born at the fullness of time, broke the power of darkness that we were enslaved to and freed us. That we might be sons and daughters of the Most High God. He's freed us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you no longer have to be enslaved to anything but Jesus. Sometimes we just gotta take the shackles off. We gotta say, no longer am I gonna be bound by addiction. No longer I'm gonna be bound by these thoughts. No I'm not gonna be bound by these desires anymore. You have been given the freedom through the good news of great joy for all people. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We're to look to Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross for us before we look and allow the things of the outside to have effect on us we got to look at inward i'm just like you that there's times in my lives where things happen that are outside of my control and i let what's outside determine how i feel inside ever experienced that Maybe something happens and you don't have as much money in your bank account. Maybe you've been given a diagnosis that scares you. Maybe your spouse is wanting to walk away from a marriage. Maybe your child is making decisions that you never thought they would make. And Before we have any sort of reaction or response or thought about what happens on the outside, we got to look inward. As a believer... We have the good news of great joy for all the people in us. And that's what then determines how our response is. We have to base everything upon the reality of Jesus. And if he rules and reigns in our life, we can have great joy in whatever circumstance we face in life. The good news of great joy is personal for you, and the good news of great joy is global for all the people. We have it inside of us, and it's for all the people. And because of it inside of us, there's power. Romans 15 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. And believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Advent series one, we talked about what? Hope. Last week we talked about peace. Today we talk about joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you may, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. See how it's all connected there? we got to have a joy, a perspective of joy that's based on Jesus. So we can have what's inside of us exude outside of us. We have assurance that God's going to take care of us in joy. Psalms 5 verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them and those you who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. There's covering and joy. Nehemiah eight ten. I love this. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You feel weak, you feel burdened, you feel down. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Whatever you're facing today, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord, your strength. When Scripture says this in James 1, 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Oh, preacher, I don't want to hear that this morning. Count it all joy when you go through trials and circumstances. The life of a believer isn't always roses and unicorns and clowns and rainbows. There's trials and circumstances that God allows us to go through. He doesn't cause them. That would go against his nature. He doesn't cause bad things to happen to us. He allows things to happen so we can endure, so we can become more like him. Because victory, the ultimate victory is in the end. Victory is when we go to heaven. Victory is that this old life is gone. The new life has come. We're in heaven. The old heavens, the old earth. And the heavens are going to pass away, and there's going to be new heavens in the new earth. That's the final victory. God gets the victory even in death. Now, I will pray for people, and I will believe for people until the moment they take their last final breath. I will pray God heals them. I will pray God restores them. I pray God will help us. But we also understand that there are things in life that are going to shake us, that are going to quake us, but God's with us, and we can have Joy. Joy in the midst of God, the, the, the bad things, joy in whatever circumstance we face. And our response has everything to do with the joy that's within us. Proverbs 4:17:22. "A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. We all need good medicine. How do we get it? Have joy. Have joy. As a church, we need to lead the world in joy. We have the good news of great joy. Great joy cannot be experienced by anyone but who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The shout that that believers have once had, I believe, has been quieted. And I'm not talking about a crazy, weird shout. I'm talking about a shout that comes within the the bottom of you, from your belly, from your spirit, that God is good. God loves us. God cares for us. The shouts. Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence, there's something about God's presence when you're alone that there's a fullness of joy. But there's something about why we say you need to be in church on a Sunday morning because there's something about what happens when God's people come together. There is a fullness of joy that the world can't offer that you can't get anywhere but in the house of God with other believers on a Sunday morning. We need to take advantage of that. Psalms 35, 27, let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Psalms 47:1. Clap your hands, all you peoples, shout unto God with the loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the most high is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued people under us and nations under our feet. We gotta get our shout back. We got to get our joy back. We got to shout with joy. Shout with joy. Let our hearts be filled with the shout once again. One of the songs I like to sing at Christmas time is Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And Isaac Watts is one of the most prolific hymn writers of his day, and he's known for a timeless hymn such as When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. However, he wrote this song, Joy to the World, and it's played everywhere, isn't it? While it's appreciated today, Watts at his time was considered a disturbance, a disturbance from the status quo, even perhaps a heretic. He wasn't really a heretic, he was a revolutionary. Watts grew up in a world where music and every uh, gathering consisted of the psalms or sections of scripture put to music. And Watts found that the practice was monotonous. And to him, there was a lack of joy and emotion among the people as they gathered and sang on a Sunday. He once famously said this, "...to see the dull indifference, the negligent and thoughtless air that sits upon the faces of a whole assembly while the psalm is upon their lips." might even tempt a charitable observer to suspect the fervency of their inward religion. They didn't have a shout. They didn't have joy. So, long story short, his father issued a challenge and said, if you don't like what's going on, maybe you should do something about it. And he wrote, joy to the world. Joy to the world, based off of Psalm 98, verse 4, gripped him. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, break into forth into joyous song and sing praises to God. And that's what exactly he did. But when we look at the song, when we look at the lyrics, we go, this is yet to be fulfilled. He doesn't rule the world yet. The nations are still grumbling and still rumbling joy to the world is not a Christmas song. It's about his second coming. It gives us hope in this Christmas season that because of the first advent of his coming, the second advent is coming, that there can be joy to the world, that he rules the world finally. Finally, nations will come together. There will be peace on earth. And that first advent of a babe and a manger gives us the joy hopeful expectation of a second coming because of the first advent we can have the hope peace and joy that the second coming will provide today if you're a follower of jesus christ you carry joy within you that can't be contained